Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Today, we're talking all about eating lunch at home. And a few years back, I was at Sonia's during lunchtime, and I was so delighted and surprised by the beautiful lunch that Sonia and her husband, Jonathan, created for the three of us, because it was so different than the way that I think about lunch. And in this conversation, Sonia shares a lot of her tips on how she puts together these beautiful lunches, including how she makes these beautiful salads and what she likes to keep on hand for sandwiches. And I learned a lot about how I can think differently about lunch. And I think this this episode will benefit anyone who eats lunch at home like many of us are doing these days. So stay tuned. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. I'm especially looking forward to today's conversation because today we're going to be talking about lunch at home. And here's my confession, which is that when I came to lunch at your house, like years ago, we were working or something, I just happened to be there during lunchtime. It was a revelation at how beautiful your home lunches are. And I think I had resigned myself to eating like sad lunches at home alone, like (laughs) grabbing an apple and peanut butter or, you know, unless I was going out for lunch for a meeting or a friend or something, I just kind of ate whatever was there. And you and your husband's approach to lunch is so revolutionary to me. So I really, I'm excited for people to hear what I experienced. I love lunch. It might be my favorite meal of the day. I don't even know if it's my favorite meal, but it's like the meal I can't skip. I My energy runs on lunch. Like I can skip dinner even, even though I love dinner, I can skip it. But lunch, no way. So no I think that lunch. like- okay. I think that motivates me to have better lunches is because I really need it for fuel. But can I ask you what, because I don't know, this is just how we eat, right? So what about those lunches were so striking to you? I think recently in one of our conversations, I sort of shared my like, I don't really love a salad kind of idea, which of course (laughs) you like lost your mind over. And it's not that I don't love a salad. It's that I think I had clients who loved my salads, but it's different when you make a salad for someone else than when you're just throwing something together for yourself. And Mm -hmm. I don't take the time to make myself a proper salad. But what I experienced at your house, you know how I feel about buying equipment. You had a mandolin and you shaved vegetables into our salad. And that is, I think, the moment that I was convinced that I needed to purchase a mandolin and that that it was worth the space I was going to give it in my kitchen because I just think I don't need a lot of gadgets. I don't like a lot of gadgets. I don't have space for a lot of gadgets. So there's really something to be said about this thoughtful way of shaving vegetables. And not only was it really delicious, it was so healthy. It was such a nice break in the middle of the day. First, talk about your salad situation. Right. The thing about salads is like texture is so important to me. And the thing that a mandolin, and I like the Ben Reiner Japanese mandolins, although there's so many on the market now, but those tend to be like pretty affordable for the fact that they'll last. Yeah, Yeah, I think you can even get some for 30 or, you know, but they'll last a lot lifetime. You can actually get the blades sharpened if you need to, although it stays sharp for a really long time. I mean, I've had mine for at least five years and never sharpened a blade. It's an incredible piece of equipment. There's something about, first of all, it's so satisfying to see like a stack of uniform cucumber slices or (laughs) 
or like a, a shower of paper thin watermelon radish. Yes. Like, and these textural Which watermelon things, radish for people who've never seen it is like hot pink. It's like this yeah. intense pink color. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. And it's, and also, and this is a fact, the way you cut a vegetable, not just affects it texturally, it actually impacts the way it tastes. So for instance, grated carrots are actually sweeter to your taste buds than a chopped carrot. I don't know if really? you knew that. It's true. It's like real science. Where, what's the what's the evidence to support that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're challenging me. I mean, I can look it up right now, but I remember reading an article that like it's not just your imagination. There's food science behind like however the enzymes or the molecule. I I wish I was a food scientist and could tell well, you, support, but there is right, to support your idea. Though I will say, if you think about it from a garlic perspective, right? If you yeah. add a whole clove clove of garlic into something, that's a different flavor than if you chop it, than if you grate it, that yep. if it cooks or if it's raw. If you grate a clove of raw garlic into like a salad dressing, for instance, like a Caesar salad dressing, you're going to get that really sort of intense garlicky flavor and you'll be left with that, right? After lunch, you'll have sort of that garlicky intensity. Yes. But if you roast garlic, you know, then you get kind of that sweetness and a whole clove of roasted garlic is different. Without, I'm going to link this article for us in okay. the show notes because it's real. I'm I'm interested. <laughs> that makes sense. Like the a grated, yeah. but I don't use a mandolin. No, no, I'm not I talking about grating on a mandolin. To, right. I'm talking about just like that the thinner radish right, could actually right. taste less pungent than a chopped radish. And that's why I love like a thin mandolin slice of radish. But we're getting into the minutia. Yeah. I want to just like zoom out for one second. I want to talk about salads. And I want to talk about like the overall approach to lunch. I work from home now. I didn't used to, but now I work from home every day and I make lunch every single day. I almost rarely go out to lunch. And also my husband works from home, Jonathan, and he makes lunch every day. And he's happy well, to eat Jonathan like- Jonathan has a real beautiful approach to lunch. Jonathan's oh, kind of you just you just rolled your eyes. People cannot no, see. No, 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 no. I didn't roll my <laughs> eyes at all. I was I was really th- glancing out and thinking that Jonathan up leveled my lunch game. Yes, I remember this when you yeah. guys met. Yeah. Yeah. Because I used to be happy. I could take like a handful of carrots and like a piece of toast and call it a day. But Jonathan makes himself a proper meal every single day for lunch. But it's usually the same exact meal. So he he makes some rice, fresh basmati rice always basmati. He um, makes fresh rice for lunch. He makes fresh rice. Sometimes he uses leftover in the next day, but mostly he makes fresh. And then he takes whatever combination of greens are available and he likes to mix it up. So what, we, whatever we get at usually the farmer's market. So collard greens or chard or kale or purple kale or lacinato kale. Like it's always a variety. And then if it's like pepper season, he'll throw in peppers and there's always onion and garlic. He makes a stir fry and then he usually adds an egg on top, maybe some sesame seeds. That's his lunch. No I sauce? Think- like. Does he put sauce on it? Oh, yeah. He adds like soy sauce and I think maybe a little vinegar. Like he makes a little composed stir fry of greens and that has an egg on top. so amazing and like what a beautiful creation to make for yourself. It's so straightforward. It's so civilized. It's honestly so so civilized. It's It's so much more civilized than like eating a cracker with like a hunk of cheese standing up at the counter, which is something that I definitely do on on (laughs) a lot of occasions. I've totally done the same. I have to say he does it even when he's in a hurry. He does it, let's say a meeting runs late and he it's 1.30 p.m. and he normally eats earlier. He'll still take the time. It's very inspiring to me, but I can't eat that 
five days a week. Sometimes I'll say like, can you make a double batch and I'll eat, he'll make me lunch. But I like variety in my meals. He can, like a lot of people can eat the same breakfast, the same lunch every day. And in fact, that makes their life easier because they're not overthinking it. But for me- Well, that's what also makes it possible, right? right, Like in order to cook that way for yourself, there has to be some routine in that. I think most people think about it. I think we think about it differently sometimes because like for me, cooking is such a creative outlet. So what I love is the thinking of a new way to do this. But I know that most people don't think about it that way. I think you're right. It's both a creative outline, but I would also say that my routine is rotation. So I have like a rotating group of things that I make. So I'm not every day like making wildly different lunches, but I kind of get into rhythm. Yeah, my categories are, the big categories are salads and sandwiches, right? I don't think sandwiches are a basic food. I think sandwiches can also be elevated. Let's set that aside. Salads. So salads are probably- We'll put that on the show. Salads are my main lunch, a composed salad, and it changes a lot. And salads have been my foundational lunch for many, many years. I legitimately love salads. This isn't just a radical diet. For me, they're exciting. They're flavorful. They keep me energized. They don't weigh me down. And I can change them a lot. I guess you're wondering, like, what are my salads? Like, are you you asking? I I am wondering, as is everyone else listening to this conversation, (laughs) what is in Sonia's salad? It really changes by season. So right now we're edging into spring. is when I can get those like heartier lettuce greens. Sometimes they're a mix of like radicchio and chicory and endive or um, some like kind of- crunchier too. Do you put cabbage? Do you shred cabbage into your salad? I love a shredded cabbage. Yeah. So in the wintertime, I'm looking cabbage. at those heavy green mixes. And also yeah. we're getting into arugula season. So I'm starting to mix in arugula and spinach. I love to mix up my lettuces. Not all lettuces are the same. I don't know if I can eat a sad mescaline mix ever again. It's all the different flavors and all the different textures all in one place. And I think lettuce is important. So your textural component is also in the lettuce. So a bed of good greens. And then I'm thinking of, I need something savory. I need a protein. I want something zingy and tangy. And sometimes I want something fruity, sometimes not. And then I usually want something crunchy. And a crunchy could also be a nutty. Okay. This is like just in my everyday salad. Let's say radish, maybe a grated carrot. I like a a shaved, like with a vegetable peeler, like a A carrot ribbon. Carrot ribbon. Thank you. Yeah, yes. a carrot ribbon, okay. um, like a toaster. What else? Cucumber. Like- I mean, again, in summer it will change. Fennel. I loved shaved fennel, like a mandolin yeah. shaved Celery. Fennel everything. I love celery. I actually happen to like it in a salad. I might do a scoop of tuna salad on top or get some jammy eggs or put on a chickpea. Wait, by jammy eggs, you mean like a soft boiled egg? Like a jammy egg, like a seven and a half minute boiled egg. So the water's boiling. My eggs I- are not done at seven and a half minutes. I don't know how I might need, we might have to have a whole nother conversation about that. But do you start with boiling water or cold water? I do. I I start with boiling water and they like aren't done at seven and a half minutes. They're like soft. I mean, usually for me, it's boiling water. I add my eggs seven and a half minutes and it's jammy. I would just try eight minutes and then just increase every 30 seconds. I remember when we worked together for those retreats, you came in with this hot take. You had worked with someone who was like, the way that you cook the eggs is you get the water boiling and you just boil it hard for exactly seven and a half minutes. And I have been doing that, I don't know if I I can't get the trick of it. So, I mean, I know there's plenty of food writers out there that write big, long articles about this. I just want to say, if my mom is listening to this, she doesn't know what a jammy egg is. So by jammy egg, you kind of mean- 
I mean, you mean like looked, a hard boiled egg that's not dry inside, that it's a little bit. It stays darker orange. It mm-hmm. it looks almost jello-y in the center sometimes. But it's not soft. But it's, it's not, not runny. runny. It's not runny yeah. and it's not a hard egg yolk that you'd make egg salad with. It looks right. like almost gooey. Right. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of times like a tuna salad's my go-to for my protein or or sometimes I like chunks of feta. You just do tuna or do you mix other things into Oh yeah, tuna? I make like a proper tuna salad with What's your proper tuna salad? Oh, this is I'm very particular about. And this is oh, one of I my main know. lunches. We all I mean, want to know, Sonia. <laughs> if, if it was appropriate and good to eat tuna every day, I would have tuna salad every day for lunch. Maybe that could be my go-to lunch. I tuna- could not love tuna less. I just- No, couldn't. stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I could not love it stop. less. There's one place that I liked tuna salad from in my whole life. It was this place in Santa Monica. I can't remember the name of it. It was kind of a Jones on 3rd kind of place, like a casual cafe. And I had – somehow I ended up with their tuna salad. I've never ordered tuna salad. And it had shaved celery and currants in it. Oh, yeah. Currant, like tiny raisins. I love currants. I love mayonnaise, but it was the most minimal mayonnaise. It was so light, crunchy, slightly sweet. I still think about that tuna salad. And then I have tuna cans that go bad in my Stop it. I don't eat You're them. You're kidding me. You don't Wait, ever I don't make think your... that Mac Weaver has ever had tuna salad before. I can't believe how long we've known each other and I still don't know these <laughs> things about you. It, it blows my mind. So you – okay. Wow. Wait. I so might... tell me what do you put – I have to I recover know, for a minute. I'm tuna so – tuna salad that you <laughs> – Okay. Here's my humble brag. When I had the deli, I really cared about the tuna salad because I'm such a tuna salad obsessive. And so I like really developed a recipe kind of like my chocolate chip cookies were like I want to have the best ever tuna salad at my deli. And it really paid off. You've been thinking about tuna salad for 15 years. I mean, for 30 years, for longer. Actually, and this is true, because my very first memories of creating my own recipe or trying to recreate something I like was my friend, Abby Droker. Hi, Abby, if you're listening. Always had the most amazing tuna salads in her lunch tuna salad sandwiches. They were, her parents made the best ones. And it was tuna salad with copious amounts of dried dill on caraway rye. And I was obsessed. And I remember- Yeah. I remember being in the first grade at home on a weekend trying to make Abby's tuna salad on my own. And so Abby's tuna salad like carried me into adulthood. And when I had my own deli, I was like, I go out to have the most amazing tuna salad. Dried dill or fresh dill? No, I used, yeah. So my tuna salad, we called it Irby tuna salad. And it was like one of those things after the restaurant closed, I would hear people say, I miss your tuna salad for months. People would order it by the quart. So we had mandolin or very thinly sliced celery copious amounts of fresh dill and fresh parsley. Then we would take a dill pickle relish, not a sweet pickle relish. What we would do is we would take our house-made lacto-fermented pickles, dill pickles, and blitz them in a food processor when we still had some on hand. And then in the winter, we would buy you know, pre-made savory dill relish. You can buy that in a jar okay. next to the sweet right, relish. Right. So you want that hit of pickle, but I don't necessarily want it to be this really syrupy sweet kind. Right. And then good mayonnaise like a Hellman's or a um, Best foods. Best foods, right. And I don't want it swimming in mayo. And that, yeah, that was what I liked about the one that I had too, that it was, yeah. it. there was a lightness to it, which I, was unexpected for me because I do like, although it's true, I also like my egg salad to be kind of lighter too. I don't like it to be like so mayonnaise-y. Oh, and then lemon zest and lemon juice. That was the tuna salad at the deli. When at home, sometimes I actually add other things to it. You know what I've been adding? You'll love this. It tastes so good. Is I'll sometimes add a gochujang, like the sweet no. Korean red. I do. It 
works really well. What about cilantro? Because I also remember this from one of our retreats. There was this woman, this body worker who came, Cindy. Yeah, Remember Cindy came and she was like – Yes. And because you really stayed in touch with her and she was like, oh, I always put a lot of cilantro in my tuna salad. And I I remember kind of clocking that and saying like, oh, well, I really like cilantro. Maybe I'll do that. And then I just have never done it. She has a lot of cilantro to tuna salad because cilantro is detoxifying, especially organic cilantro. And tuna sometimes has some, you know, fish has a lot of stuff it absorbs from the ocean. She just adds it to sort of balance that out. And I think that's very smart. I don't yeah. always add cilantro, but I have. So yeah, I like to add fresh herbs. And if I don't have fresh dill on hand, I add dried dill. I like to keep a jar of dried dill specifically for tuna salad. And other things you put dried dill in. Okay, so yeah. you have greens and you have some shaved vegetables like carrots and some radishes maybe, maybe a little fennel, maybe a little celery. And I then love pickled you- red onion too. I have to say, I try to keep a jar of pickled red onion in my fridge. I love to top salads and sandwiches with that. Your yeah. own pickled? Do you do uh-huh. like a quick pickle? Yeah. I do a quick so- pickle and then I'll reuse the brine on a second batch of onions. So, yeah. Can I- you tell people what a quick pickle is? Just- yeah, a quick pickle. And it's so easy. It's just a combination of vinegar, water, salt, and sugar typically. And you don't need anything else, but you could also add like peppercorns and garlic if you want. And you bring it to boil until the salt and sugar are dissolved. And then you pour that over vegetables. I have a ratio written down, but you can easily Google quick pickle recipe. It's just like having that on hand, having a quick pickle or having a toasted nut or having a spiced chickpea or having a good chunk of feta. I like to have one little fun thing because even if I just have lettuce, it already makes my salad more exciting. Yeah. Well, when you said quick pickling, one of the things that I learned from a client that I started to keep on hand many years ago were those pepperoncini rings. Oh my God. Obsessed. Um, Yeah. And and it's such an easy thing to pick up at the grocery store and have in your fridge. They kind of last forever and or have in your pantry. They last forever. But I think, you know, I know we're putting the sandwiches on the shelf for right now, but that was the thing that they – their family was like, oh yeah, a pepperoncini ring just like makes every sandwich taste better. So we always have this on hand. I love pepperoncini Adding that salad. like pickly thing to a salad is so nice. And do you ever use the juice, the pepperoncini juice in salad dressings? Because I do. Yeah. Now we're getting into salad dressings. And I want to yeah. just add, thank you for bringing up pepperoncini because my in our home, we call it a Maria's salad because there's this restaurant in LA called Maria's and it's like iceberg or romaine. You know, I love iceberg. Canned chickpeas, shredded carrot, diced cucumber, diced tomato or pepper, a red onion and pepperoncini, chopped pepperoncini. And it's like a vegetarian chopped salad. That sounds so good. So you would make that too. You would put that would that you'd put your pepperoncinis in that. Okay. And the key with that is to have an oregano dressing. And I think if I'm in a hurry, what I always have on hand is lately I've been into having like a balsamic, a reduced balsamic, not a straight up balsamic, a good quality reduced balsamic and really good olive oil. And that makes a great dressing. I'm not going to lie. But if I have a little more time in my week, then I'll make a jar of like a vinaigrette, which could have whole grain mustard, some kind of vinegar, lemon juice, or a little pickle brine too, olive oil. And if I'm making, if I add a little dried oregano to that, to what I'm describing, a basic vinaigrette, then it's a Maria salad. What makes it the Maria salad is the dried oregano. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? One of the important components of that is the dried oregano. Thousand percent. (laughs) So many years ago, there was a girl that I worked with. She was 
young like me, we were we were nannies together, but her mother was this really well-known cooking instructor and her mom hired me to assist one of her classes. And it was for there's a fall festival, like a Jewish fall festival. What's it called? Sukkot. Um, Holiday Sukkot. Sukkot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a Sukkot festival and or, or a Sukkot cooking class. And she taught me this trick of, of you mince up shallots and you add them to a white balsamic and you let and add some salt and you kind of let them sit there for a second before you mix up the dressing. It mellows it out just enough to give it the flavor of a shallot without the bite of a shallot, especially because sometimes if shallots have been sitting in your pantry for a while, they can be really bitey. You know, they yeah. can have that like um, – same is true if you've got a little bit of garlic, but I think what I just learned from her is it just like it rounds out that flavor a little bit in a way that, especially when I was young, I was a really new cook. I just didn't know any of those nuances and because I didn't go to culinary school and I didn't learn them, but I learned yeah. them from places like that. It's like a micro quick pickle. Or like something. a micro quick, yeah. I guess that's a good way to think about it because I will say I do like the flavor of onions, like a red onion. You know, when I was in college, I really loved like a Greek salad. I love feta and and so I love that kind of dressing and I love and I love having red onions in it, but I also feel like they can be so overpowering. And so I think I've learned that from you too. Do you ever rinse your onions? People rinse their onions in cold water, like let it sit in cold water. I only do that when I'm making sumac onions, which is a real typical kind of Middle Eastern topping. And I love this for sandwiches. So it's a good segue into sandwiches. What I'll do is I'll thinly slice or mandolin some onion and then I'll let it sit in ice cold water for like however long, I don't know, at least 20 minutes. Then I drain it and then I coat it in sumac, which is like a very lemony Middle Eastern spice. Oh, yeah. I actually have a sumac tree in my yard. You can grow – it grows everywhere. It grows all over the place. And they're Really? Yeah. And it's these kind of like reddish, oh, I don't know technically what the term is, but it's almost like a blossom on the tree and it's part of the flower. It's this reddish powder and it makes things taste like lemons. So it's a condiment where you take the onions and you mix them with the spice and then you could add fresh chopped parsley or mint to that. And then I love that pile onto a sandwich. That sounds delicious. Yeah, that sounds really good. Okay. So we've talked about your salad situation, but now are we are we segueing into sandwiches? Because like what kind of sandwiches are you making at home? I yeah. would just think of grilled cheese that we make so much grilled cheese at her house. I love a grilled cheese. I can't say that that's my like most common sandwich I make at home, but I love it. Okay, you're, you're, what's your common? Your family's your... really good at grilled cheese. I was watching James make grilled cheese for Mac and I was like, that <laughs> is the platonic ideal of grilled cheese. It well, was... he'll be happy to hear that because he's he's uh, he's made it for 19 years without knowing how to make a grilled cheese. And it's finally time when we have an elementary school child that he has to learn how to make grilled cheese. But well, he really, really mastered he, it. He's perfected it really quickly honestly I gotta I gotta be honest he's also really good at making quesadilla he still gets the heat a little high and and then it's like smoking and he's flying around the kitchen but he makes it really crispy which Mac appreciates yeah a grilled cheese is a perfect lunch sandwich but I have to say like my go-to sandwiches except for you know we've already established tuna is one of them I love a good bagel and lox situation. I think that makes your taste so much better. It's not my everyday lunch. Once a month, maybe I'll go all out and make a really good, with all the fixing, capers, tomato, onion. That seems so brunchy to me. I don't know that I would go through all that to do for lunch. I, it makes no sense that you can only have it for brunch. I just don't think about it for like a lunch. Oh, I think, oh, I, I mean, see. that sounds delicious, but I just think like, oh, that's like a 
that's like a nice brunch on a Sunday kind of idea, having like a really fresh bagel, locks, shaving all the stuff. When I have a sandwich like that, I like it piled with fresh elements. Do you, what, I guess that's other- my that's my big thing about any sandwich, whether it's a turkey base or a cheese base or a hummus. Basically, we'll take any of those protein layers and then make sure the rest of it is almost a salad in sandwich form. I remember in like college, my friend Sarah would make these salad sandwiches. That's what she called them. And it would just be like every possible vegetable, like tomato, pepper, cucumber, lettuce, cabbage, yeah. sprouts, like every vegetable she could get her hands on. And then she would pour, do you remember Annie's, I think it was called goddess dressing, not green goddess, but just goddess dressing, which is like a tahini based dressing. Okay. I don't think I've had that one. She would pour Annie's over it and it would make such a good sandwich. And I think I kind of am always riffing on that. The key to that, and this we would also do in the in the deli is like if you take your vegetable components and you properly dress and salt them and you add that to a sandwich, it just ups your sandwich game. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I've noticed that even with salads. Like for instance, if you're taking your dressing, you know, you've got your dressing and if you do your dressing in a bowl especially and then you throw – your carrots, your cucumbers, and your radishes, and you toss them in that first, and then you toss your greens in it, it distributes the dressing differently than if you just dress your greens, but then you put all of these kind of naked raw vegetables in there. Like that's a different experience too. All those little tweaks are like what goes from ordinary to just like a little- Extraordinary to like worth it. To worth right. making your lunch at home. The last category of lunch for me is the elevated leftovers from the night before. If you just have a lunch of leftovers, it doesn't feel special. Sometimes it feels a little sad, right? Yeah. So I'm always so thinking- how do you elevate your leftovers? Because I do. I This is something I do for sure. Well, I want to hear how you do it. Go ahead. Well, I guess for me, one of the things that what one of the things that encourages me to make a lunch for myself is if I have leftover pasta or leftover rice. And then one of the other things I, I try to always keep on hand, because as you know, now I've had to admit this on our podcast that I love salads. I do like cooked greens. I love cooked greens. So I, any kind of, you know, hearty green, cabbage, any kind of kale I love. I always have some collard greens, something like that in my produce drawer. So if I have some kind of pasta or some kind of rice uh-huh. and I know I've got greens, I'll cook the greens, I'll toss them with the pasta or I'll fry the rice first and then add the greens and a bunch of garlic into it. And then I'll put a couple of eggs into it and I'll call that a meal. Wait, so um, you'll you'll treat pasta the way you would treat rice? You would like heat it up in a pan, almost like a fried pasta. Almost like a fried pasta, but I don't fry it as hard as I fry rice. Like if I'm working with the pasta, that's the last thing that I add. And I usually will add like, like if there isn't a lot of liquid from the greens, usually there isn't. I'll add a little bit of liquid to kind of steam up the pasta a little bit. Like I don't like it to be too soft. But if I'm making rice, I fry the rice in hot oil first, and then I add all the vegetables after that. So it gets those like really good crispy bits. So then it's like crunch, it's crunchier. Yeah. And um, are you adding soy sauce and stuff to your 
rice? Usually I don't add soy sauce to my rice. I kind of like it to be more crispy than I like it to be soft. I'll sometimes add like chili oil if I re- or like a hot sauce. I usually add a hot sauce to it, but I don't I don't love soy sauce in my fried rice. Yeah, I also love leftover rice. I, I actually like leftover pasta too. And like you all, if I somehow if I saute fresh greens, it does feel like you've reinvigorated the dish. And the other thing for me is like, again, the things in my fridge that I can store like sauces. So like a very basic tahini sauce, which could either be a salad dressing or a drizzle on rice and greens the next day. Or a drizzle on a sandwich. Or drizzle on a sandwich. I recently started getting back into homemade ranch because... I just had like extra sour cream and yogurt on hand and I actually like yogurt based ranches and I had all this herbs and I was like, oh, I can make ranch at home. And I just use yogurt and like a touch of sour cream and maybe a touch of mayonnaise and then a whole bunch of herbs and a little garlic. I don't know. There's something about ranch on the side to like dip vegetables into or you're reheating something from the night before that you can have- It makes it so much less sad. Exactly. But I feel like one thing you do that inspires me is like, don't you make like turn your beans dishes into things for lunch sometimes or for dinner? Yeah, if I have leftover beans, I mean, that's one of the things that we got into the conversation about the pizza beans and rice, like whatever vegetables I have, I sort of saute them all together. And then I add beans and I add leftover rice and I top that all with cheese. And then it's it's that same idea of like your pizza beans, but I call mine pizza beans and rice. Yeah. Because Mac has been eating beans and rice since he was able to eat like he'll eat any kind of beans and rice that I put in front of him so it can be such an, a quick weeknight meal but what I wanted to also offer I have a couple of things that I have been making recently that I like you know one of the things that we talked about on our freezer episode was my bread situation in my freezer yes. and how I always have all these different kinds of you know I have sandwich bread and then I have toast bread I was recently gifted a jar of homemade sauerkraut like a, a light sauerkraut that like a family member made for me and there is this recipe. It's like a sauerkraut toast that I saw on, yeah. you know, when you think your phone is listening to you. Like I had been talking about sauerkraut and then this recipe like popped up on my phone. But it's like you just toast bread and you pile it with sauerkraut and then you pile it with cheddar and you broil it and then you eat it with those pickled jalapeno peppers. Yeah, And I find that to be a really delightful and light lunch. I love a sauerkraut top toast. I you can even serve an egg on a sauerkraut top toast and that's really good. Oh, I never thought about that. Oh, I love it. It's actually a surprisingly delicious combination, but it's such a good point because there's this whole open sandwich category of things too, which is- Yeah, you know how I feel about an open sandwich. I mean, I'm not doing it as much lately, but you know, I live in California. We have so many avocados all the time. So like any version of avocado toast that exists, like if we have an avocado, you know, I'll toast the bread, I'll smash a bunch of avocado on it. I'll eat it as a sandwich with whatever veggies I have. I'll fry an egg and put an egg on top of that. Any kind of pickly things that exist in the fridge usually go on top of that kind of sandwich and or egg situation, hot sauce. But also that's just pulling a piece of bread out of the freezer and 
putting some good peanut butter on it is like a good enough lunch for me in a way, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, and what I was going to say about like my sandwich lunches is that I also like to have like a complete plate of food. So I like to have a good sandwich and then I like to like cut up a carrot or cucumber rounds and have a tangerine or an orange sliced. Yes, a whole sandwich could be just a meal, but there's something about having like a school lunch in adult form on a plate that really makes my day happier. I mean, that's what really sets us apart in this conversation. I just couldn't be less jazzed to do that. I just, (laughs) most of the time I am like standing up doing loads of laundry. I'm standing up at the counter. I'm eating whatever has come out of the fridge from last night, or I'm skipping out to go to lunch or something like that, or grabbing an apple and a handful of peanuts on my way out the door. The thought of composing a plate for myself for lunch is just like, I can't, I don't know that I can ever get over that hump, but I just remember being at your house and being like, wow, this is a whole world of lunch eating that I have never even seen before. Yeah. My husband and I share that approach to lunch. But again, I'm telling you, it's because it's kind of my main meal of the day. No matter where I am, even when I was busy working on a set, having like a crazy day, filming something, you know, you only get like, sometimes you wouldn't even get a lunch break. Sometimes you wouldn't even sit down. Even on those days, I ate a proper lunch, even if it meant I was standing up and running around. I don't think that's a great idea, by the way. I advocate that people get get a lunch break. It's necessary. And I think, I just think there's something so lovely to, it's such a lovely gesture to yourself that, you know, I don't know, does this say something about me that I won't sit down and eat a proper lunch? But this idea that you gift this to yourself and that Jonathan does this too, you know, that the two of you, you know, you're both creative people, you work at home, like taking this breakout in the middle of the day. Like, I just wonder if that says something about your ability to be more creative or just be a little nicer to yourself throughout the day. Well, it is a moment of being kind to yourself, but I will offer that if lunch is not your thing, it could be your breakfast, it could be your dinner. While lunch may not be your time, Carrie, like you take so much care at dinner and not that I like don't cook dinners, but like I said before, like if Jonathan wasn't home, I would easily eat steamed broccoli and like leftovers, even if it's a snack, even if it's a moment in your day where you make yourself like a little extra nourishment. I think that's the point. Yeah, I think that that taking care of yourself can look different for different people. And certainly as a personal chef that cooked a lot of dinners, live dinners for people, because I was there on those nights, they made a concerted effort to all be together on those nights. I think I really witnessed the the sort of beauty and importance of all gathering together at a table and connecting with each other. And, And you and I have talked about this before, but that actually can happen at any meal. And I remember reading this article that this mom wrote. She was a single mom and she worked late. And so yeah. one of the things that she talked about was when she was raising her son, their meal of the day was breakfast. And whatever it was, whether they were making, you know, as he got older, he would make oatmeal or do whatever, but that was the meal that they would connect over. I think that's kind of the idea, you know, and you're, you're describing yeah. this, you and Jonathan connecting over lunch and taking care of yourself and taking care of each other. Like there's just something lovely about sitting down at a nice meal and doing that. And I want to offer one last thing, because if making your own lunch sounds wacky, but you still kind of like the idea of taking a moment in the middle of the day. My go-to summertime lunch, something I like loosely call a snack meal. So what I like to do is I'll just take a bunch of quickly cut up fruit, quickly cut up vegetables, put a little good salt on top, a slice of cheese, a hard boiled egg, and a couple crackers. It maybe took me five minutes to put together, but there's something about an arrangement of little snacks that makes up a meal that's so simple and so fast. And just, again, it's that moment where you just are getting all your favorite foods or on a plate. 
I love that kind of lunch. You know what? That reminds me of, I have this friend, her name's Amelia, and she was a blogger. One of the things when we would go to her house, she was so good at arranging boards. She called it Euro dinner, where she would just clean out whatever was in her fridge and she would arrange it all on different plates and boards. And, you know, nowadays people call them like grazing boards. Like, you you know, you could get a caterer to make you a grazing board for your wedding. You know, that's kind of an appetizer-ish idea. But my friend Amelia has been doing that for 15 years where she would just take like an arrangement of a few little bites of three different kinds of cheese and then a little pile of chips and a little pile of crackers and a little pile of apples and a little pile of cucumbers and and all these different things. And she would generally do it for a group of us that had come to eat dinner at her house or when we had kids, we would do that. So everyone can kind of pick out what they want. It's different textures, different colors. The uh, tin fish is so popular right now. Like open a can of tin fish, slice of some cheese, have a couple crackers and some colorful vegetables, call it a day. Yeah. It was this idea of variety. I mean, she's a nutritionist too. So she always had this, you know, there was always just this idea of eating a variety of things. And that's also remember like that was kind of back in the day when it was kale is the best green. And she was just like, well, every one of the greens has their benefits. They all have different things. And so it's not about just only eating kale or only eating spinach. It's about like eating all of these different foods and textures and colors. It all makes it interesting. And what makes it fun to you? Thank you for asking me this question because it really is even re-inspiring me with my own lunches because I felt like I was getting into a little bit of a rut. So I really appreciate this conversation today. I really learned so much from that experience with you. And, you know, I think other people can learn that from you too. Like maybe you want to start Instagramming those lunches that you're making and maybe it'll inspire me to (laughs) sit down and eat something proper in the middle of the day. Okay. I just might. (laughs) Well, I'm really, really hungry now. Starving. Yes. Um, All right. To be continued. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Happy cooking and eating.